It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We have a big time guest in the building today. We have Eric uh, Kapitulik. I got my hope I got that right. Did I get it right this that's right, Dominic. We have okay, cool. We have Eric Kapitulik of the program LLC, founder and CEO of the program LLC. How's it going, Eric? I'm great, Dominic. How are you? All right. Are you ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation today? I'm fired up. All righty, let's do it. As always, Startup Nation, my name is Dominic Lawson. This is the Startup Life Podcast, and it is powered by the Binge Podcast Network. So first things first, Eric, let's start set this thing off right. Kind of share with us your origin story uh, up until the point you started your company. Yeah, sure. Well, up until I started the company, sure. So yeah. I was very fortunate, Dominic. I always say I don't, I'm not a big believer in luck, although luck is uh, helpful in success, right? It's not maybe the driver of it, right? but uh, it always is nice to get things to fall your way a couple times, right? But so I'm not a big believer in luck, except when it comes to the family you're born into. We don't choose that. That's you're either just going to be lucky or unlucky in the family, the parents that you have and and the siblings that you have. I won the lottery. I won the lottery with both. I hear that. And my my dad is a Connecticut was he's retired now, but was a Connecticut state policeman. My mom was a high school French teacher. Uh, you know, we didn't, we grew up on a farm. We grew up on a hundred acre farm in Connecticut. We, we certainly with a dad who's a policeman and a mom who's a school teacher, we certainly did not have everything we wanted, but we had everything we needed. And understood on that list of what we needed. The biggest thing is guidance Mm. and opportunity. And my parents gave me both. So grew up in Northeastern Connecticut with great parents, uh, was a three-sport varsity athlete in high school, graduated, was recruited uh, for all three sports, but chose to play lacrosse at the U.S. Naval Academy. One of the great experiences of my life was attending uh, the U.S. Naval Academy, had a great four years there, uh, both... uh, athletically and I struggled mightily academically, but it still was mm. really a powerful influence on who I am today. I hear that. Graduated and then had outside of husband and dad, the, the real privilege of my life, which was being commissioned as a United States Marine Corps officer and served eight years as an infantry and special operations officer. After eight years on active duty, I left it, was honorably discharged. I attended the University of Chicago Graduate School of Business. And then shortly thereafter, I founded the program. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing all that. And also, uh, thank you for your service. We definitely appreciate uh, that as well. We always try to make it a point to highlight that Uh, here on the startup life for sure. So uh, I want to ask you this, you know, because, you know, you talk about being there at the United States Naval Academy. Tell me some of those lessons that you learned there in Annapolis that you, that you kind of like, you know, use in your business, using your company today. Dominic, I I would, what I would, if I could, I would only maybe answer the question of what did I learn at, in the Marines. Okay. If that's okay. Sure. Because absolutely. The things I learned in the Marines for startup nation out there. Mm-hmm. The, I don't, I, to start, I always say that, that having a business degree and certainly very privileged to be a graduate of the university of Chicago, absolutely. but th- that allows me and really helps me run my business to, to start my business it's 100% the United States Marine Corps. I hear that. And what I learned there. And really specifically, it's just discipline. Having a disciplined approach to everything I do in my life. Being able, I don't have to be punching the clock at 8 a.m. in the morning. Nobody's 
looking when you start your company, nobody's looking over your shoulder to see, okay, well, are you in? Are you working? Okay, how how long a day are you working? Are you working hard? Are you working smart? Those things, that discipline, right? Really, you know, my parents first instilled in me, but really the Marine Corps developed in me. I hear that. That discipline is the single most important thing for our success as a company and me individual and in the teams I've been on to include my family team. That has been key. And and that was really the Marine Corps. Got you. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, you know, Eric, I, you know, I, I know that you, you talked about the Marine Corps uh, as far as like the discipline and things that you learn and you taking that into your business. But I also know in doing our show prep that there, there was a few challenges there. There's one in particular that kind of comes into mind, uh, yeah. you know, in, in 1999 with a helicopter crash. Kind of take me back to that day uh, and, and, you know, take me back to that day, but also kind of tell me, you know, what that day taught you? What What is one of those takeaways that, you know, how did that structure who Eric is as far as, you know, a person, as a leader and things of that nature? Kind of take me back to that day. Yeah, thanks, Dominic, for asking the question. And I appreciate you asking the question because on December 9th, 1999, my special operations Marines and I, my teammates and I, right. We were training, we're 15 miles off the coast of Southern California, training for our upcoming deployment to the Persian Gulf. Mm -hmm. We were conducting a vessel boarding search and seizure or VBSS mission. Ship has got something on it that it's not supposed to have. And my Marines and I will take that ship down. One helicopter carries myself and 10 of my force recon Marines. A second helicopter carries my platoon sergeant, my right-hand man, and another 10 of our force reconnaissance Marines. We fly over a ship. We kick a rope out that's attached to the ceiling of the helicopter. We slide down that rope and fight our way inside the ship and make it become dead in the water to call for follow-on forces. On that particular day, the helicopter that myself and 10 of my force recon Marines and I were riding in Rather than being in a 60-foot hover over the ship we were practicing taking over, it came in too low and too fast and struck the side of it. Mm. When it did so, we were all immediately knocked unconscious. The helicopter pilot, recognizing his error, pulled on the collective, which would typically give lift to a helicopter. But the back left wheel of the helicopter that my teammates and I were riding in was stuck in this thick metal netting, causing the helicopter to become vertical in the air, invert on itself, and then plunge into the Pacific Ocean. Right. We all woke up underneath. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dominic. No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We, We all woke up underneath the water, still wearing 50 to 75 pounds of gear, weapons, equipment, and ammunition with no idea on how to exit from that sinking helicopter and with no oxygen. Well, I fought and I pulled my way through the helicopter as it sank. I was then able to swim to the surface and I survived that particular day. Unfortunately, six of the 10 of us on board did not. Six of my teammates lost their lives. Right. That event is an event that a day doesn't go by that I don't think of it. The the lessons learned through it. Um, you know, the, 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 I hate to sound contrite, but the, 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 uh, or, um, you know, fall back on, uh, you know, sayings, but you know, what doesn't, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily in all things. There's probably some things that don't kill you that probably hurt you. But right. but in this case, that that saying certainly holds true. And in so many ways, first of all, and things that have impacted me throughout my entire life, and, and most definitely in starting my own and running my own business. Number one, the first and foremost thing that comes to mind is not actually the helicopter crash, is the fact that we had to go do that mission a month later. Right. Well, I couldn't do it. I had a, I had a cast on my leg. Right. I had broken my leg in the, in the crash. And I wasn't going to be in the helicopter that my teammates were going to be, my Marines were going to be in. 
And at the last minute, I went and talked to the general and said, sir, I know I can't go on the mission, but I got to at least be in that helicopter with my Marines. And Dominic, I didn't want to. I was scared. I was nervous. A bit. And I walked on board that helicopter, crutched on board the helicopter that day. It's tough for me to say without getting emotional. And my Marines looked at me. I looked at them. And it highlighted to me that don't ever ask your Marines to do something you're not willing to do yourself. Don't ever ask your people to do something you're not willing to do yourself. And if you are able to do that, meaning if you do or are willing to do that which you ask your people to do, they may not always be happy. Your job as a leader is not to make them happy, Hmm. but they'll respect you. There'll be mutual respect. There'll be trust. And trust is the foundation of every relationship. That is first and foremost what comes to mind from that accident that has stuck with me my whole life. Number two, I would be remiss without saying that as a leader, yes, all of us want to be well-liked. Right. Yeah, my Marines don't need a good friend at those points. They need a guy who's going to be a leader, who's going to make sure that we still stay focused on mission accomplishment and that I take care of them. And how do we take care of people? And it's what we teach at the program. You take care of individuals on your team by making every decision you ever make, thinking about what's in the best interest of the team first. I hear that. The Marine Corps taught me that, that helicopter crash and its aftermath cemented it with me. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. I I know that couldn't uh, have been easy, but I appreciate you being willing to share that with us. Once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Eric Kapitulik, uh, you know, founder and CEO of the program. And so, Eric, w- w- in that same vein, and I don't, you know, I don't want to like, you know, just keep talking about that. But yep. I, in that same vein, uh, you know, I, I imagine there, 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 there came a time where you know, you, you had to talk to your your Marines, and a lot of times in business, uh, a leader has to talk to uh, their employees, their team members, uh, when there's when adversity strikes, when there's like uh, a certain adversity that comes into, uh, you know, uh, the business, whatever the case may be, kind of talk about as a leader from that standpoint, you know, what's the most important thing you want them to understand? Like, you know, that you can come through it. Is it important that the mission is always the most important? What are, what are some of those, those values, those core values you have to relate to them in those moments? Absolutely. It's a great question. The, this isn't just a special operations military team. Dominic, that I'm talking about. This isn't a military team, a corporate team, an athletic team, a husband and wife, a family team. Okay. Any team, regardless of the battlefield, show me a team that communicates effectively. I'll show you a pretty good team. Show me a team that doesn't. I'll show you a bad team. Mm -hmm. Communication, your question. It's it's insightful just in asking it because communication is key all the time, but especially in times of adversity. Instead, what you see with most teams is when adversity strikes, bad things are happening, we stop communicating. Well, lack of communication causes distrust. Mm. So even if people don't like your answer, what you're saying. As leaders, we have to have the courage to communicate that message. In my own case, in my own example, this helicopter crash occurred six weeks prior to our deployment to the Persian Gulf. The men that we lost that day, those warriors, my Marines, they were the best friends of guys in my platoon. They had served together For 15 years, they had known each other since, in some cases, since they enlisted together at 18 years old. 
Well, yes, we needed a time to grieve. But in those moments of adversity is when it is key that you know your people. It's key because you know in adversity, when bad things happen, knowing your people as the leader, you know what they need. If you don't know your people, you're not going to know what they need because just in times of adversity, just because what you might need in those situations doesn't mean it's what they need. Absolutely. Absolutely. My company commander, Bob Coates, Colonel Coates, taught me a very, very valuable lesson. And it's what I communicated to my platoon, which was your Marines did not join the Marine Corps. And they certainly didn't join and try out and go through a year and a half of schooling where at any point you can get kicked out and washed out of special operations because they want an easy life. No, they're warriors. They want to be challenged. They want to be challenged every day. Yes, we have some adversity. Yes, you need to take time to reflect on it as, as an individual and as a group. But don't ever forget, your people, your Marines are warriors, and warriors want to be challenged. So challenge them. Continue to challenge them. That's how, that's how they'll be able, six weeks from now, when you go back into harm's way, they're going to be able to accomplish their mission so that no more Marines die. I communicated that daily. I communicated consistently with the Marines. This is who we are. This is what we're going to do. I took feedback. I took suggestions from the platoon. But ultimately, as the leader, you're the one who makes the decision. And you have to communicate that decision. And just being completely transparent throughout any adverse situation. Again, people may not like what you're communicating, but they can trust you. With trust, trust is the foundation of every relationship, husband and wife, husband and husband, wife, wife, you know, whoever your significant other may be. Right. Uh, you know, teachers with students, business leaders with, with companies. Trust is the foundation of every relationship. That trust is formed a number of different ways, but being completely transparent and communicating that transparency is one of the main ways. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing all of that. Startup Nation, I'm hearing some, some definitely some key words that you uh, might want to put in your entrepreneurial toolkit when you're talking about leadership and leading your team. I'm hearing communication. I'm hearing trust. I'm hearing transparency uh, are, are all very important ones. So, Eric, I appreciate you sharing all of that for uh, sure. So we were talking a little bit off, you know, um, off, 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 you know, uh, camera and off, you know, off the recording and stuff like that, how you work with uh, just about 160 different uh, teams, professional, college, things of that nature. Uh, you know, and you, you often talk about uh, in the program uh, about, you know, having like a, a championship mindset, if you will. Right. And so when I think about professional teams, it, there's three or not just professional teams, but just teams in general that have like these uh, long sustaining successes, three of them come to mind. It's the San Antonio Spurs, it's the Alabama Crimson Tide, and it's the New England Patriots, right? And so when you talk about those type of uh, dynastic type of teams that have like this long um, range of success over years and years and years, what are some of those traits of, cha of the championship mindset that works for them that can work in business, in education, or uh, in, in whatever the case may be? Like, how are they able to sustain that over long periods of time, in your opinion? Sure. Our book, uh, I'm going to put a plug in here. Absolutely. Um, Go ahead. When people, when people read it, they're going to say, yeah, he's just quoting his book. Well, yeah, that's true. Because what we wrote in our book is exactly, it is the answer to this question. We had a we had our book, the program, right. published last September. In it, there's seven sections to the program. the The book is about how to create and sustain 
championship or world-class teams. The first section of the book, not by happenstance, is about how do we find the best people for our team? First and foremost, we must know who we are. Much more important than what we're going to do or even why. You know, I know Simon Sinek, very popular book, Start With Why. I love it. I'd recommend it to your readers after they read the program. But but, but to, to um, uh, like to you know recommend it to startup nation, but sure. but before and and I love start with why. Except we take it one step further and we think no, not start with why. Start with who. Start with who we are. That is the single most important thing because who you are is your culture. When we discuss how do we get the best people to our organization, first of all. As the leader of it, determine who you are. What are your core values? Think about what are the three things most important in your life to you? Not 14. By definition, excuse me, 14 things cannot be core. Three, our ability to remember things, groups of three, is slightly higher than four, but exponentially higher than five, six, and seven, and eight, and nine. What are the three things that are most important to you? What are the three words that most best describe you? In the program, in our book, you can see we, we do a, this core value uh, evaluation that, that and when we work with companies, we, we do this thing. We can see it in our book. But in any event, figure out what your core values are. And then recruit to those core values. You talk about from an athletic team standpoint, San Antonio, uh, the, the Crimson Tide and the Pats. Right. Look, they have a lot of talent on those teams, right? right. It helps to have Tim Duncan, San Antonio, right? It does. It, it, does. It, it helps to have Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker, and those are talented individuals. Yeah, but there's a lot of talent in the NBA. San Antonio is able to not just have talented people. San Antonio is able to have talented people that fit their culture. Absolutely. We all, look, maybe not at you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, maybe even as a young person, you know, 18 and 19, but at some point in your life, we don't hang out with individuals based on the color of their skin rich, poor, from the country, from the city. No, lions hang out with lions and zebras hang out with zebras. We hang out with people who share our core values, or at least we, we, we should. I mean, if not, I mean, that, that's your own personal hang-up. But right. that's, that's best. So those organizations, yes, they've got Tom Brady as their quarterback and Rob Gronkowski and, and, and um, you know, Hall of Fame wide receiver, you know, people at every position – They've got, you know, the Crimson Tide has a long list of number one recruiting classes and in multiple draft picks, right? That we talked about San Antonio. Yes, they've got incredible talent. Yeah, but that talent shares the core values of the organization. We have to do the same thing as a corporate business leader. Figure out who you are, what your culture is, and then yes, recruit talented people, but talented people who fit your culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I imagine, you know, when you talk about, you know, that culture, uh, another thing that comes to mind when it comes to them or it's just in business, wherever the case may be, is the uh, the consistency. The consistency of pop is has been there for a while. Saban has been there for a while. Belichick has been there for a while. And so a lot of times you see uh, when, when there's teams that have multiple coaches over multiple years. So the culture keeps changing. So it's like they're still, you know, so I imagine that kind of adds to it uh, as well. So I appreciate you sharing that. And Startup Nation, the name of that book is The Program, Lessons from Elite Military Units for Creating and Sustaining High-Performance Leaders and Teams. And you can get that on uh, Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. We actually have a link there in the show notes for you to purchase that book uh, for yourself and your team because you can buy it in, in bulk uh, as well. You actually beat me to it, Gary. I was going to mention that a little bit later, but you beat me to it. So it's all good. 
Thanks, Dominic. No worries. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't lose. No, I get it. I don't lose. I don't lose. I don't lose, I don't lose an opportunity to uh, advertise to market. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I definitely understand that for sure. So I, I want to ask you this, uh, Eric, because uh, we we have a lot uh, in the generation of, of Gen Z, and they're starting to graduate college and move into the workforce themselves. And there, some of them are being thrust into leadership positions right off the bat. But a lot of times they're thrust into leadership positions to where uh, they're kind of in charge or supervising people that are sometimes uh, twice their age. What kind of advice would you give them? Um, uh, because a lot of times you look, you know, if somebody comes in and they're younger than you and they're kind of telling you what to do, there's some growing pains there a lot of times. So if there is like a 22, 23, 24 year old that's kind of thrust into a leadership position to kind of manage people that's twice the age, what advice would you give them, Eric? Yeah, sure. Dominic, I will remember every Marine infantry officer. I mean, just about every Marine officer will tell you that on their deathbed, they will remember walking out to stand in front of their first platoon or unit. Gotcha. For most of us, in my case, and in, in mine is, is, is not very different than, than most Marine Corps officers, I was 22 years old. Hmm. I was less than a year out of college. Right. And I'm in charge of, 30, of a 36-man Marine Corps infantry unit. Guys who have been in the Marine Corps much longer than me, right? much longer than me, have done more in the Marine Corps, much more in the Marine Corps than me. It's frightening. It's scary walking out there for the first time. How am I going to communicate? What am I going to talk to them about? How am I going to lead these warriors? Right. So first of all, if you're that 22, 23, 24 young person leading, getting put into a leadership role of others older than you, and you're nervous, that, that, that's normal. That's good. So, so, so was I. So, so was every Marine Corps officer. So was every military officer, too. Right? So first, just recognize that, number one. Number two, I was blessed. I think people have a uh, have a bit of a misconception about the military that everybody thinks the officer is an idiot. Everybody loves the platoon sergeant, the senior enlisted right person in the platoon, and the senior enlisted person in the platoon knows everything, has been everywhere, done that, and they all just follow him. And the officer is a bumbling idiot. Untrue. No, I don't know. Maybe that is the case in some units. I don't, I don't right, know. Exactly. Right. But no, in, in fact, if that's the case, hey, look, you still have 99% of your unit all following one person. That, you're going to have some pretty good success there. Right. But what typically happens is the senior person outside of the leader, the designated leader of the unit, no, they'll undermine that person. Half the, half the unit will follow that person. The other half follows the other guy. And you just have a bad team. Mm. And yes, part of that fault is the leader. Yeah, the other, the other person at fault is that other person. And gotcha. if, if you're being put into this role, I think first and foremost, as we discussed earlier, be transparent. Talk to the other leaders. Just because you're the leader, that doesn't mean you're the only leader. I mean, team captain. Team captain does not mean that you are the one and only leader. It means that you have the title team captain. There's other leaders on the team. Communicate with them. Sit down with them. Tell them you don't know everything. Show vulnerability. Be upfront. Be transparent. It, again, it helps to develop trust. Talk to, I think, first and foremost, though, ensure you know what your core values are and, and discuss that with them. Because, again, more important than what you're going to do is who you are. Discuss who you are, who the unit is going to be, what, what, what you want individuals, how you want them to behave. 
get the leaders, the other leaders on your team, though, involved. Make sure that they are part of the solution for you. And the truth is, most will be. Most will be. But if you've got a member of your team who says, oh, no, the heck with them. They're 22, 23 years old. The heck with them. That's not your fault as the leader. That's their hang up. Right. That's their own. That's their own insecurities. Hmm. And yes, do you need to work with those people and try to develop them and bring them on board so that they're part of the solution? Absolutely. We do as leaders. But, But don't ever forget that great teams is not just because of the leadership. Great teams are comprised of great teammates and great team leaders. You need both. And if somebody's not or unwilling to be a great team leader and or a great teammate, our job as the leader is not to change people. Our job as leaders is to develop them. If somebody is not going to change on their own with your mentorship to help develop them, then some people, they need to find a different team. Our greatest mistake that we make as leaders, Dominic, not just young people, all of us. Right. We fail to remember that. We spend all of our people trying to change somebody who doesn't want to be changed. Right. And we give no time to all those individuals on the team who are doing everything they can to to do what we need them to do, to be who we need them to be. Don't. We don't change people. We develop them. But that requires their participation. If they're unwilling to give that participation, get rid of them, regardless of your age. Thankfully for me personally, as that 22-year-old leader, and really throughout my entire Marine Corps career, I definitely had senior officers who made a huge impact on me and who I became as a human being, let alone as a leader. Just as impactful were my platoon sergeants, my senior enlisted men that worked with me. They had an even greater impact on me. And I I was very fortunate. And you can say, well, maybe it's some of the things that you did or didn't do, whatever. Look, I had great platoon sergeants who knew that even if they didn't like me, (laughs) our unit was going to be better if they gave me their support and guidance. And... I was very fortunate throughout my career to have that. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing. All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. episode of the startup life is powered by colony spark startup nation with our economy in flux there is a lot of mixed messaging out there if there was ever a time to take control of the narrative and let your customers know that you're here to serve them it's now and that's why you have a friend in colony spark colony spark is an omni-channel marketing agency that believes in the power of community to ignite your business they have helped companies across many industries with lead generation revenue growth and more to put them on the path to success My guy Bill Murphy and his team are very good at what they do. How do I know this? Because not many SEO companies have the stamp of approval of being partnered with Google. Yes, that Google. So I want you to go to www.colonyspark.com forward slash startup to schedule a meeting today. In that meeting, you will review your current marketing activity, receive actionable advice on how to pivot and grow, and ask any marketing questions you may have on navigating over the next few months. Look, Startup Nation, I know things may seem uncertain right now, but if you are looking for a business partner that can help light the way, go with Colony Spark, where they firmly believe in business helping business. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. 
All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So once again, we're talking to Eric Capitulic, founder and CEO of the program. And so he helps, you know, uh, athletic teams and corporate America kind of get the best out of their leaders, get the best out of their teams. And you can check out that website, theprogram.org. And when you go there, there's a side for athletics if you're a high school coach or a college coach or something like that. Or and there's also the corporate side if you're an entrepreneur trying to build your team and stuff like that. So if you would, Eric, just kind of walk us through, uh, you know, the, the company itself, the program, the services you provide and things of that nature. Yeah, thank you for that. The program has one mission. We develop better leaders and create more cohesive teams. That's what we do. We develop better leaders and create more cohesive teams. We do so through a belief in personal development, leadership development, and team building through shared adversity, and that we only grow as individuals and as a team when we are outside of our comfort zone. What we do, my teammates at the program, I I take great pride, Dominic, in saying that I founded it, and and that will be the only time that I use that pronoun, I, (laughs) Except, except to tell you that I founded it. If it were still just I, I would be out of business. I hear that. I founded it. We have made it what it has become, and we will make it what it will continue to grow to. But my teammates and I, what we do, I personally will give a keynote speech about leadership and attacking adversity. I show the video of the helicopter crash that my Marines and I were involved in, and it's aftermath. Right. I'll discuss new teammates that join a team and the responsibilities of the old team and the new team. I'll discuss the idea that everything that we do at the program, but the framework of my keynote address that I give to corporations throughout North America is that talent, our natural talent, allows us to do well in life. But making a commitment to getting that much better, if you were to put your forefinger and thumb two inches apart, making a commitment every morning that we wake up to getting that much better, that allows us to not just do well, not just win games, but that much better allows us to compete for championships on whatever our chosen battlefield may be. I hear that. The way we get that much better is by making a commitment to being great teammates and great team leaders. That's it. The reason why is is that individuals and individual talent can do well in life, but great teams compete for championships. And great teams are comprised of great teammates and great team leaders. Talent is individual. It allows us to do well. But being a great teammate and a great team leader, that's a choice we all have to make on the teams that we're on. I'll discuss the standards for being a great teammate. I'll discuss the standards for being a great team leader. During that conversation, Dominic, I'll highlight not only the helicopter crash, but its aftermath, setting up a college scholarship fund for the children of my deceased teammates. Right. Raising money through participation and racing in the Ironman and other ultra-endurance events around the world. Climbing the world's tallest mountain, summiting Mount Everest, standing on its summit for six minutes. I'll discuss all of those things in your kind of typical motivational keynote address. For sure. I've got two other teammates at the program who also deliver keynote addresses. We then provide classroom-based leadership development and teammate development, culture development training. But we're world-class. Dominic, we are world-class. We are the best people in our business that develop, that, that, provide experiential team building and leadership development training. We're the best in the business at it. And you can say that sounds egotistical. I'm okay with it because I know what else is out there. I've seen what they do. Our clients, corporations throughout North America, men and women that have been in business and been in industry for 35 years, their typical feedback to us after working with us at our events, which are either a day to a week long training events, is in 35 years in business, this is the single greatest training that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I wish I had it 35 years ago. <laughs> the, 
that is constant throughout every event of which we're privileged enough to be a part in, in, in the relationships that we build in corporate America. That is the typical feedback in corporate America and in, in college and pro sports. Th that is the case because, yes, you can teach people how to be better teammates and better team leaders in an air-conditioned classroom. Right. But you don't become one in an air-conditioned classroom. I hear that. I hear that. And I, and I, and I, I imagine that's why the experiential piece is so important because, you know, and when we talk about this all the time on the Startup Life with Startup Nation, like it's one thing to, and you kind of talked about this earlier about how you went to the University of Chicago and you got your MBA and you understood the, the mechanics of business, right? But that mindset part, that experiential, <laughs> experiential part, um, uh, of starting the business, keep going forward, you know, through the adversity and stuff like that you got from the Marine Corps. Right. And, right. I, and I think it works the same way here, uh, which is why you're, you know, you're so good at what you do and why you're so successful uh, at what you do and stuff like that. And, and Startup Nation, just to, to point out just some of the clients that the program had, we were talking about Goldman Sachs. We're talking about UBS. We're talking about uh, uh, nationwide insurance, just a, you know the Connecticut State Police, just a lot of uh, uh, names that you know have been trained and have been uh, you know engaged with the program. So they're definitely good uh, at what they do. Once again, that website is theprogram.org. We have a link there uh, in the show notes and stuff like that. You know, uh, Eric, you were talking a little bit earlier about your team and stuff like that. That you wouldn't be here without your team, and I imagine that a great leader has to do talent evalu evaluation and stuff like that. So if you would just kind of talk up some of your team members a little bit and, and some of the great things that, you know, th that you love seeing when they're out there in the field doing what they do. Just kind of give you a, a moment to kind of talk them up a little bit. Uh, say that last part again to me. I'm sorry, Dominic. Oh, I was just giving you a moment to kind of like talk up your team a little bit, like, you know, the things that they do great and stuff like that. The, I think I was just having this conversation the other day with one of our uh, college football coaches. Mm -hmm. And I think that most of us as leaders, we can do a pretty good job in an interview process of determining talent. Right. I think by and large, most resumes most resumes, they do a pretty good job of showing how talented someone is. Uh, where you went to school, we, you know, look, and that's for the most part. Look, some people, they just have greater opportunity in America. Right. But, but, but I think by and large, it's fairly easy to determine talent. Getting back to what I said earlier, I know one of the things that I have struggled with mightily, Dominic, is determining, does this person fit our culture? Right. The reason why I know that, Dominic, that I'm not very good at it, is I've had to fire a lot of people in the 12 years that we've been in business. I hear that. The, now, the flip side to that is, thankfully, through all those painful mistakes that I've made, I've gotten a lot better at it. And how have I gotten better at it? I don't involve myself with the hiring process anymore. The way we do it at the program is I've got 12 people through, through all of those trials and tribulations, hirings and firings of people who are talented but don't fit our, our culture. What I've realized is let the people, the people that are on your team who do fit your culture, who are amazing at it, well, hey, look, even though I've had a lot of trials and tribulations, I've got a dozen people that I got right. So let them determine if somebody else fits our culture. And that's what we do. Somebody wants to work at the program. I've got 12 warriors who are at the program. We're three things, Dominic, selfless, tough, and disciplined. Mm. Selfless means you put the team first. Tough means you do what's right, not what's easy. Disciplined means you do what you say you are going to do. 
if you do that, if you put the team first, if you do what's right, not what's easy, and do you do what you say you are going to do, the program is going to be the greatest job you ever have. In fact, it won't be a job. Talk to the 12 people, full-time members of my team. What they'll tell you is it's not a job. It's a way of life. That's what the program is. It'll be the greatest place that you come to work, that you earn your paycheck at. Why? Because if you're selfless, tough, and disciplined, you only want to hang out with other selfless, tough, and disciplined people, Dominic. As I said earlier, lions hang out with lions. Yeah, the zebras hang out with zebras too. You and all of Startup Nation know that. Right. So let those lions determine who else is a lion. At the program, the way we do it is if somebody wants to come and work with us, they don't have to go seven and five with those 12 people who are full-time members of the program team. No, you have to go 12 and 0. All 12 people have to say, yep, we want this person on our team. Yes, they are selfless, tough, and disciplined. First, if you don't have the talent, you don't get interviewed. We know that. You can look at a, at a resume and know that. Right. But are they selfless, tough, and disciplined? Do they fit our culture? God, I'm so fortunate that even through all those trials and tribulations, I have 12 members of my team who we just had our annual company meeting yesterday. I said the single biggest reason why I'm so excited about 2020 is one reason. Oh, we've got great clients that have re-signed with us and we're off to a great first quarter of 2020. Yeah, fine. No, the single biggest reason why I'm so excited about 2020 is the teammates that were on that conference call with me yesterday. They're just world-class people, world-class talent who are world-class, selfless, tough, and disciplined individuals. Well, now we let those 12 people determine who else is selfless, tough, and disciplined. If they are, I'll hire them. I'm 0% responsible for who we hire. As the leader, I'm still 100% responsible for who we fire. I hear that. And before we hire somebody, they hear that from me. And they also hear that I don't wait six months to evaluate, to do a reevaluation period. If a week from now we determine you're not selfless, tough, and disciplined, I'll fire you then. Because my job is not our job at the program. My job as the leader of it is not to change you. We can develop people who are selfless, tough, and disciplined into being more selfless, tough, and disciplined. But if you're selfish, you're selfish. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you you can kind of tell that within that week. And and I totally understand that because, you know, like, you know, because, I mean, let's be honest, like people can say a lot of stuff on a resume, right? And so right. <laughs> when it comes to, uh, you know, but uh, as always, that uh, that bill always comes due. And so when the pavement, you know, the rubber meets the road, you, you kind of start to see who's about this life and who's not. So I appreciate you sharing <laughs> that, Eric, for sure. For sure. I want to ask you this because. In our show prep, uh, you know, we was looking through the website and stuff like that, and there's two words that always uh, kind of pop out and stuff like that. You know, uh, one more, which is trademark, by the way. Uh, yeah. One more. What kind of share with us a little bit, really quickly, about the doctrine of one more? Yeah, thanks. I appreciate you highlighting that it's trademark. Gatorade uh, didn't care about the fact that it was trademark three years ago, and then decided to use it in their TV ads at gotcha. to all of our expenses and. Um, so I appreciate you highlighting that it is trademark. Sure. In sure. any event, we uh, one more is key to our success as individuals and as an organization, and it's key to startup nation. We believe absolutely. Great teammates and great team leaders. Great teammates consistently meet and exceed two standards with the program. Number one, great teammates consistently meet the standards of the organization. Second, great teammates hold their teammates accountable to achieving it as well. We appreciate that all of us want to be well-liked. But as we teach, you go to the movies with good friends, Dominic. Mm -hmm. You go to battle with great teammates. I hear that. 
Great teammates are held to two standards. Great teammates consistently meet and exceed two standards. Great team leaders consistently meet and exceed two standards. Number one, they accomplish the mission. Number two, they take care of their teammates. The way we take care of each other, as I discussed earlier, is by making every decision we ever make with the team's best interest at heart first. But we have to prepare to be great teammates and we have to prepare to be great team leaders every single day of our lives. The way that we do so, as we teach, as I write about in our book, as we help develop with teams and individuals that we're privileged enough to work with, is number one, by being physically, mentally, and emotionally tough or resilient. Number two, not making excuses and not letting others make excuses for you. I hear that. And third, by working hard. And we define hard work at the program. As you said, it's our trademark saying, hard work is not what we do during normal business hours, during normal practice hours. We consider that giving great effort. Not everybody does. Not everybody gives great effort. But the teams or our enemies or the environment or the industry or economic climate or other athletic teams, those individuals, adversity that we're going to face, they give great effort too. Hard work is not giving great effort. Hard work is one more. And we have to figure out what our one more is as an individual and as a team and make a commitment to doing it each and every single day. Dominic, don't, don't do 10 push-ups. Do 11. Let everybody else do 10. Everybody in the world does sets of 5, 10, 15, and 20. Right. Do sets of 6, 11, 16, 21. That one more adds up. At the end of the day, at 5 o'clock, well, hey, I can go home. Hey, look, just sit at your desk and make three more sales cold calls. Mm. That's it. Just three more calls. Or or maybe uh, maybe you know, ch- a, ch- a challenging conversation that you, you, you've been putting off with a teammate. Right. Okay, make it a one more. Get it done. Come in early. Take that person to lunch. Just meet with them at lunch. After work, whatever it might be. But one more, just make a commitment to doing one more every single day. Those one mores add up. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And that, that's super important uh, you know, for you to point that out. I appreciate that. Uh, l- let me ask you this really quickly, because, you know, as a military veteran, there's a lot of military veterans who listen to the startup life. Uh, and they're trying to, you know, uh, uh, dive into the world of entrepreneurship, start their own company. What's one piece of advice you would give them as making that transition from uh, the military to the, the world of entrepreneurship? Sure. I, I can I can almost uh, I've got to hold myself back from answering it <laughs> because I'm getting excited as you're asking the question. Got you. I was very fortunate. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I was approached by a nonprofit organization called the Massachusetts Soldiers Legacy Fund. Okay. We pay for the education of the for the children of deceased service members whose home of record is Massachusetts. Gotcha. There's a five-person board. I was going to become the sixth board member. I accepted. On that board, One of the other individuals is a gentleman by the name of Rob Hale. Rob Hale and I, he's become one of my closest friends and my business mentor. Having one as you start your business is not a prerequisite, but it certainly helps. Absolutely. And that business mentor, it also helps if that business mentor runs one of the largest organizations in your state, is part owner in the Boston Celtics and hasn't seen the inside of a of an airport uh, in a decade because he (laughs) flies his own personal jet, right? So I want to take advice from somebody who's not only been there and done that, but been there and done that successfully. Absolutely. I had that. I was fortunate. I am fortunate to continue to have that with Rob Hale. He gave me and helped give me my start when I first started the program. The single greatest thing he did 
along with giving me office space in his company, a phone, computer support, et cetera, was give me this advice. I give it every single time a business school asks me, asks me to come and speak at their school, to, to entrepreneur classes, whatever. And for Startup Nation, I, would, I cannot highlight it enough to you. Number one, people spend all their time thinking about what the business they want to do, what it looks like, what it's going to do. Instead, if you have a general idea of what it is that you want to do, then just start doing it. Pick up the phone and start calling. I hear that. Instead, most of us, we try to come up with the perfect business plan. There isn't one. Don't spend and waste time doing it. Yes, come up with a business plan, but don't try to make it perfect because there isn't one. Right. Figure out, get a general sense of what it is that you want to do and then pick up the phone and start calling because the marketplace never lies. Be, be just disciplined enough to continue to get up and keep calling and keep pressing forward, but at the same time, smart enough to listen to what the marketplace is telling you as to what they need and then adjust accordingly. Instead, most of us, we spend a quarter of a million dollars making our store look the way we want it to look like, our company to look the way we want it to look. Yeah, and then we go to market and we realize that that's not what the market wants. Instead, have an idea of what you want to do and then pick up the phone and start calling. To be an entrepreneur, Startup Nation, you do not need the perfect plan. You need a plan executed violently mm. at your 100%. That, that advice from Rob Hale, as important as all the other things that he did and continues to do for me, that piece of advice is the single most important advice and the single most impactful thing that he has ever done for me. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that for sure. Hey, Eric, we got like two more questions and then we're done for the day. I really appreciate yeah, your time for sure. Yeah, thank you. No worries. No worries. So, Eric, let me ask you this, man. You know, you, you, you talk about leadership. You talk, you just, you know, talked about Rob Hale and mentorship and stuff like that. If you could go back in, you know, uh, and, and in time and talk to any great leader and you could only ask them one question, who would that be and what would you ask them? Oh, man. Dominic, I've done in my time, both as a college athlete, as a special operations Marine, climbing the world's tallest mountains, you know, publishing this book and the marketing of it and, and the promotionals behind it. Right. I've, um, I've, I've been interviewed a fair amount. You know, I've never had that question. And, and it's a thought provoking one because, boy, there's, I, I'm a voracious reader. Right. And I've read so many, so much of, of books and individ, about individuals and what they did and why they did it. And there's so many people that have made, that are just, just unbelievable to me. I, I'm not a huge fan of fiction because man, nonfiction, the nonfiction stories out there are, are just unbelievable. I mean, right. Dominic, I mean, I, I would say certainly num not in any one particular order, right. but I would, I would, I would talk, I'd want to talk to Winston Churchill. Mm. I mean, it, right. as Americans, we think of World War II as D-Day. Right. Exactly. Like Britain fought by themselves exactly. against yeah. Germany for years without America's support. Right. For years, they were by themselves trying to hold back the tide of Nazi Germany. Right. I mean, and he had no support initially. I, I would love to talk to him about Winston Churchill when he's named the leader of Great Britain at the outbreak of the war. Just to talk to him. What was his thoughts? What did he do well? What would he do differently? Right. I would I would love to talk to Ernest Shackleton. I mean, the 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 leader of an expedition 
to the pole. Right. You know, gets trapped in the ice for two years, doesn't lose a person. You know, it, before their time, things like making his his teammates get up every day and out of their beds and go exercise. In I mean, freezing temperatures, right? Uh, the the challenges that he's faced with, and and same thing. What did you do well, and what would you do different? I'd love to ask him. You know, great leaders of our time. I've spent so much time. Um, and because I love it, I, if, if I didn't live in America, I would live in South Africa. I mean, I mean, boy, to have the opportunity to go back in time and sit down and talk to Nelson Mandela. Right. I mean, in our own country to, to sit down with, with civic right leaders, uh, civil rights leaders like Martin Luther King. Uh, I mean, just, you know, just unbelievable Men and men and women. I mean, I would just love the op- Margaret Thatcher and Amelia Earhart. And, and I mean, now today in today's life, I mean, so many unbelievable people. I, right. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm I'm fumbling over my words. And no, I'm like, you're fine. You're fine. I I, I, I can understand wh- where you're coming from because all the people that you're naming, like they they were challenged. Yeah, challenged. Like you know. To, to where a lot of people would like just fold like a blanket. You know what I mean? That's right. That's <laughs> right. And, and, and then, and you, and you know what, Dominic too, and those are famous people, right? True. That's very true. There's so many people. Colin Cowherd is a, is a, is a, you know, pretty well-known sports talk show Absolutely. host. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. All right. And, and I love Colin Cowherd because he generally believes the things I believe. It's funny how we do that, right? People who believe what you believe, write what you do, their opinion, as long as it agrees with your own man, you think they're genius, right? right. Well, anyway, I think Colin Coward is genius. Well, in any event, he once said something that really struck with me because it's so true. What he said was, you know, guys who are born, people who are born with everything, if you're born into a lot of money and then you make a lot of money, yeah, okay, that impresses me, I guess. Not as much as the people who are born into nothing and do it. Right. People who are born with nothing. No, they, they're not born to those parents that I had, or, or they don't have those opportunities that I personally had, Dominic. Right. And there's lots of people in America who don't, and in, in, in a lot of people in the world who don't. And yet, they still succeed in life. You don't even have to be famous for it. God, every chance I have just to talk to them about those that I would have to talk to them about their own stories. God, that gets me so excited. Right. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. And before we ask the last question, Eric, you know, just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your insights on, you know, building the team and culture and leadership and things of that nature. I think Startup Nation definitely got uh, some supreme value today. But I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you because, look, there's somebody in Startup Nation that's feeling either stuck in their business or they're afraid to start. Give them some words of motivation, Eric, to kind of take us on out today. Thanks, Dominic. For, mm-hmm. for those individuals in Startup Nation, first, I appreciate you you listening. And, and I hope that some of the things, even maybe even one thing, will make a positive impact in, in your life and in your family's life. The if I could share anything with your audience, Dominic, I'll share this. Everybody, when I get done speaking throughout North America, regardless of the age group, grade school, high school, colleges, major corporations, afterwards, individuals will always approach me and they'll always ask man, how do you do what, what you've done in your life, right? The Naval Academy and collegiate athlete and special operations, climb the world's tallest mountains, eight Ironman triathlons, adventure race around the world. All of those things, they'll always ask, how do you do it? And I, without hesitation, I, I tell them, I go and do it. I sign up. I get in the arena. To quote Teddy Roosevelt, we're going to have critics our whole life. They're going to sit outside the arena. 
We're going to get beaten up. We're going to get fall. We're going to fall down. We're going to get knocked out sometime. And those critics are going to say, ah, look at you. I told you so. And they're going to point fingers and it, look, you just got to get in the arena. Just make a decision to get in the arena and go and do it. Failure isn't getting knocked down. Failure is never getting in the arena. Most people won't. Most people will not get in the arena. They equate getting knocked down with failure. That is not failure. Sitting outside and pointing your finger at those who try, that is failure. So just make a decision to get in the arena. Go and do it. Thank you. I hear that, Stardom Nation. Get in the arena. And that's our time with uh, with Eric. Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Dominic, I can't thank you enough for the time you spent with me today and the questions you asked and the time you put in. I could tell you spent some time in preparation for this just with the questions that you've asked. They were, they were uh, exciting for me to answer. They're core to who we are at the program and what we teach and help develop. And, and I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to not only be on your podcast, but just meeting you and getting a chance to have a conversation with you and with Startup Nation today. For sure, the feeling is mutual. All right, Startup Nation, if you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new Startup Blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the Startup Life.